Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 461 of The Riverfront, the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. This, is, of course, is the show where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, I didn't come up with a goofy, obscure uh, former Red for this week, Nate. You got one for me? Josh Van Meter. Josh Van Meter, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Josh Van Meter. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me, with me this week, as usual, you've already met him, Nate. How are you, Nate? Nate, are you there? We lost you. I don't even know where I am. I don't even know where I am. <laughs> All this right. Is also, this is a podcast. <laughs> Who am I? Why am I here? <laughs> also with us this week is uh, he. He was on an episode of the uh, the podcast previously, episode two hundred eighty four. This was all the way back in Oct- or August of two thousand nineteen. And if you want to know how well that August the Reds were doing in August of two thousand nineteen, our discussion was about the 2020 Reds and the reasons to be optimistic about the next season well before the current season was over. His name is Matt Wilkes. He's with, he's been at Red Leg Nation. We wrote there together for a while. He's now at Reds Content Plus. And uh, I want to also talk about uh, the newsletter you guys do, but it's Matt Wilkes. How are you, Matt? What's up, guys? Doing good. Figured I'd end my, uh, what, three-year hiatus and uh, hop back on with you guys. Matt refused to come back on until we did a video podcast because he wanted everybody to be able to see him. So, Those are my demands. <laughs> exactly. Uh, before we go any further, uh, if you're watching on YouTube and you can see, uh, obviously we're going to get more subscribers now just because Matt's out here. They're able to see him. But hit that like button. Smash the subscribe button if you're listening to the audio version. Subscribe. You get to listen to me every week. It's just automatically delivered to your phone or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you are, we're there. Now, Matt, let me ask you a question. Tell me about the Morning Line newsletter that you guys do. And uh, give me the pitch. Why, 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 is, why do you have to? Why do Reds fans have to have this in their inbox? All right. Well, the the morning spin is something me and Steve Mancuso started a couple of years ago, um, just to kind of do a deeper dive into uh, the news of the previous day and just kind of break down, um, you know, the game from the night before, break down the pitching matchups, um, and do it all in depth. Um, kind of leaning into to analytics uh, was kind of the reason we started Reds Content Plus to begin with. Um, and kind of ventured off into the, the newsletter space the last couple of years, and we'll make some some tweaks this year. Unfortunately, our review, our, our newsletter platform got shut down by Twitter, but we'll we'll hop over to another platform and uh, we'll get started once the, once the season's uh, ready to go. But yeah, any uh, anybody interested in in the Reds? I think you'll. I think you'd enjoy the newsletter. Um, it's, it's daily, um, delivered to your inbox. We may make some changes to the schedule this year. We're still kind of in the planning phases, but um, yeah, I encourage you to check it out. We we offer, you know, periodically we offer uh, you know free editions. If you just want to come, uh, give it a look and uh, test it out. Give it a test drive before you before you buy. So you're telling me that this this is the world's most dangerous podcast. And we have a guest who is actually canceled by Twitter. That's right. <laughs> More dangerous than ever. I love this. Let's go. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, your your target demographic is right here because if you're if you're listening to a Cincinnati Reds podcast in the middle of January in a season after the Reds lost 100 games, you are hardcore, and so you're going to want that in your inbox. And Matt did such a good job of selling it that he even caught the fact that uh, I called it the wrong name. It's the Morning Spin newsletter, and uh, go over to Reds Content Plus and. Uh, and subscribe. Can't recommend it enough. Shall we talk about those Reds, gang? Yes? No? Let's do, Let's it. do it. We have to. 
I mean, you guys spent far too long the last time Matt was on here having a spirited discussion about the merits of Aristides Aquino and Josh Van Meter, which is why I mentioned him earlier. Yeah, we've we've actually had some exciting times since the last time Matt appeared on this podcast. I guess some good, some good times, some bad times. You might say some peaks and some valleys. I don't know. You might want to put it that way. So uh, announced today, just today. Of course, we record this as always on Thursdays. It'll be in your feeds on Friday. Reds pitchers and catchers scheduled to report to spring training camp on February the 14th for their physicals, and they will work out on February 15th. Position players will report on February 19th, and the first full squad workout February 20th. So. How excited are you for pitchers and catchers to uh, to get here, Matt? I'm always excited. It doesn't matter how bad the team is the year before. It could be 120 losses. I'm still going to be excited for pitchers and catchers. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not even a particularly exciting day. It's just picture, picture pictures of the pitchers and catchers, you know, jogging in the outfield. But um, you know, it means the season's around the corner, and that's always fun. Yes, the idea that that winter's almost over and, and we're back. And something Nate, something you and I talk about all the time, which is no matter how down you are on this theme, when that spring training comes around, you can't help yourself. You just you know you start uh, squinting and trying to think, see how good they can be, and uh, it's exciting, right? Yeah, February fourteenth, not only Valentine's Day, but the day where I have officially convinced myself that the Reds are going to make a playoff push. So uh, put that in your calendar. Ah, love is in the air, Nate and the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> so, yes, uh, pitchers and catchers will be reporting. It is uh, going to happen, and we have some predictions about what's going to happen in the months after pitchers and catchers report. Caesar Sportsbook, you guys big gamblers? I'm a huge gambler. Sprinkle a little bit. I dabble. I'm a huge gambler. I've lost multiple houses from, from my gambling addiction. That's not true at all. Uh, but Caesar Sportsbook uh, came out with their uh, over-under for all the MLB teams for the 2023 big league season. The Cincinnati Reds over-under, 64 and a half wins. Nate, I'll go to you, I'll go to you first. 64 and a half wins. Uh, are the Reds going to go over or under? And what do you think about that? Yeah, that puts the line at uh, you know 97 or 98 losses. Pound the over, baby. I mean, this team is not likely to be good, let's be honest. You know, although hope does spring eternal this time of year. Reasonable health expectations, growth from the young arms, and just simple continuity and familiarity in the clubhouse. They got me feeling that this team is worth at least 70 wins. Oh, goodness. He is. He's high on his uh, baseball addiction um, or something. Uh, Matt, what do you think? 64 and a half wins. You got the over or the under. Yeah, give me the over two. Um, I think on if if they just revert back to normal luck on health alone, um, they're going to win sixty five games. Uh, consider how many how many people missed um, extended periods of time last season. The, the starting rotation they were running out at the end of the year, you know, outside of Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo was just a bunch of names you may never see on an MLB mound again. Um, so I, I think. You know, fingers crossed they have some normal injury luck this year. Um, I think they'll they'll get at least 65 wins. It's a, it's a low bar. <laughs> Man. Wow, what a time to be alive, at least 65 wins. No, that was sort of my, my thinking as well, something we've talked about quite a bit in recent weeks because everyone wants to ask the question, how do they avoid losing more games than they lost last year? 
And it, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, you know, we won't go dive into it again because we talked about it before, but it makes sense because, you know, they got rid of a lot of players and they're bringing in no one of note. Uh, well, maybe one person of note, as uh, you'll see at atop Matt's list uh, later when we were power, do some power rankings. But um, uh, let's a little, uh, little teaser there um, for the topic of the show. But like Matt just said, there's just no, I can't see. I mean, maybe, maybe everything will go wrong again, but literally everything had to go wrong last year for them to lose a hundred games and they still almost didn't do it. Um, and so, yeah, 64 and a half actually seems about right. But I think I, I do think all rose colored glasses aside, I think, I, I think I would take the, the over. I mean, there's some, some young talent here and you know, again, you don't have to be very good to beat the over at 64 and a half wins. And so they're not going to be very good, but they still should be better than that. Uh, I think and and I hope. Um, MLB.com came out with their crystal ball predictions. Did you guys see this? Their World Series predictions for the next 10 years? Did you did y'all see this? Amazing. They do not have the Reds winning the World Series in 2023, alas. They have the what? Dodgers over the Blue Jays, which I don't understand. Uh, but in 2032, they have the Reds and the Cleveland Guardians in the World Series. Oh man. Bet the ranch on it. It's happening. You, you you willing to go to your Caesar Sportsbook, Matt, and uh, and bet on that 2032 World Series right now? All day, every day. I'll throw my life savings on that, which are not much. <laughs> well, here's, yeah, the, here's the question. Would you sign up for nine consecutive losing seasons, as, as, as horrible as last season was, the same thing for nine more years if we were guaranteed a spot in the World Series in 2032. That a gr- that's a great question, Nate. I know what my answer is. Matt, you want to tackle that one? Yeah, I think I would do it. <laughs> oh, man, that's, this is where we that's, are? Uh, I've been, I, I haven't seen hardly any good, good Reds teams in my entire life, so what's, what's nine more years of pain? It's tough, right? I mean, the, the excitement for that one year would obviously be there, but – Right now, it's almost spring training. Like we're getting excited because spring training is happening in a month, and we can talk ourselves into like what what can go right, and the Reds can be good. We're not allowing ourselves that for nine more years if we're signing up for this this trade off, this deal with the devil. So I don't know. I need to think about it, but uh, I, I, I couldn't fault anybody for signing up for that. No, I agree. I just couldn't uh, imagine doing a podcast for nine more years uh, waiting for that. My uh, thought is this. Uh, no, absolutely not for me. Uh, you know, First of all, one reason is the pr- projection is the Reds lose in that World Series to the Guardians, so I'm not signing up for that. I'm not waiting that long just to lose in the World Series, although I'll take a National League pennant. <laughs> I'll take a National League pennant, said the Cincinnati Reds fan. Um, but, you know, what I would take – over that, what you just proposed, I would take the next nine years, even if the Reds never make the playoffs, but if they were competitive into September, most of those years, I would actually take that over nine garbage years in a World Series. I don't know. It's six yeah. one half dozen the other maybe, but I just want interesting baseball and uh, at this point because I've given up any hope of the Reds ever winning a World Series again. So. That's legit. I'd take, take 10 fun Septembers over one exciting October. Yeah, I think so. Uh, that's that's where I am. All right, there's, listen, we're, we're talking about Caesars Sportsbook and the 2032 World Series. That's how exciting a week it's been in Red's land. I do think we have a fun topic for you, but before we get to that, we have to uh, mention this. The Red's Caravan is back. Woo! How excited are we with the Red's Caravan's making its return? Exactly. 
<laughs> Did y'all see the first Chicago? Is it coming to Chicago? No, right. it's not going to anywhere. It's not even going to Indianapolis this year. Did, Ten you, stops. This year. Did you see the <laughs> first the first venue? Because I want to know more about that. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. Is the Spooky Nook <laughs> Sports Champion Mill. I'm sorry, why have I not heard of this joint before? That's a heck of a name for a sports bar. That is amazing. That's in Hamilton. So, you know, that might be where we have to have our uh, live podcast when we go to a go. Reds game this year, Nate. Amazing. Yeah, just 10 stops. So I think uh, before it was uh, 16 stops or so is more. There's fewer. They haven't announced who's actually going to be on the caravan. It looks like it was thrown together pretty quickly. Um, not going to Indianapolis, which has been a, uh, a staple. Uh, the Kentucky stops, I think, are, are lessened or fewer. Um, and so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not a big caravan guy, but it has been a, uh, a good PR thing in past off seasons, take some players out and you go to places that don't, it, it, it emphasized this thing that dates back to the seventies, which is this Reds country because the Reds can't depend on just the, the, the population right around Cincinnati. And um, I mean, I guess, you know, who, who's asking for it after the team loses a hundred games and then after the Phil Castellini mess, but I don't know, it's coming back. Well, this is just terribly exciting, Matt. You, you picked a good week to be here. Can we go back to talking about the 2020 Reds like we did the last time you were here? Uh, yeah, you're, we, can, <laughs> we can debate the merits of Jose Iglesias again. Oh, just like old times. No, no. I'm going to zag a little bit. I, uh, you know, all shade aside, I'm, I'm pro caravan. This, the sport needs more young fans. And I'll tell you who doesn't care how bad the Reds were last year. Your average seven, eight, nine year old that's going to get really excited to go shake the hands of some major league players. So, Welcome back, Caravan. I'm for it. Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, Nate brings up a good point. The rest, really, it, it, to kind of help undo the PR disaster that was the 2022 season, it really would have been a good idea to blow out Reds Fest. And they tried, but, you know, the, the, the attendance was down, uh, uh, expected. But sure. really blow it out. And then blow out this caravan as well and, and try to convince all the best players to be there because you're not going to get these young fans uh, on the on the Reds bandwagon by their play on the field over the next uh, couple of years. But, yeah, you know, you get to meet Joey Votto. You're never going to forget it. You get to meet, uh, I don't know, Christian Encarnacion Strand. Every kid in the Midwest is dying to meet Christian. They will be. They will be at some point, yes, and more on him in a moment. But, yeah, I mean, I think the Reds have to have to lean on things like that to get any kind of excitement because, you know, I've, I'll ask you about this, Matt. You know, I've talked often about the lost generation of Reds fans, and uh, and you and Nate are right kind of at the, the right age where you've really not had a chance to – how are you Reds fans, I think, actually is the question here. How are you still Reds fans? Yeah, well, when, you're, when your dad grew up in the big red machine, you yeah. know, era, it's kind of just uh, passed down to you. You have to be. But it's been uh, it's been painful for the most part. Uh, you know, we had that, that run from 2010 to 2013, and that's about cool. it. Uh, there hasn't been much to get excited about in my, uh, in my Reds fandom, but, you know, keep coming back every year. Clutton for for punishment, I guess. That's right. That's that's the tagline of our. We, we we always say the world's most dangerous podcast, but our tagline is actually "Misery loves company." That's the that's our mission statement here at the riverfront. Um, th- that said, Nate, you love the idea of the caravan, but you're not going to make a point to go to any of those stops. True. No. I think we've lost Nate. I think we've lost Nate. Finally, thank goodness we. 
got rid of that jerk. All right, so let's talk about some transactions for the week, and then we can get into the topic of the week. Lots of big transactions involved in the Cincinnati. The first Reds, first of those, Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto signs a one-year contract with the Miami Marlins, choosing a stable, uh, competent organization over returning back to the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Nate, if you're if you're with us, what do you think? How disappointed were you, were you when you saw that? Yeah, sorry about that. My audio crapped out for a minute. Uh, oh, man, Johnny Cueto, or as I like to call him sometimes, Brandon Finnegan, Cody Reed, and John Lamb. Um, <laughs> you know, it was... Too soon, too soon. <laughs> 8.5 million guarantee with a club option on that second year would bring it to, you know, 16.5 total if they pick it up. That would be the second highest salary on the roster. So, like, I think it was never going to happen at that number as much as we wanted it to. You know, there's probably an argument that can be made that, you know, with uh, the increase in, in gate sales and merch sales that they could have recouped some of that. But it stinks. I, I – I think I speak for a lot of Reds fans. We were just hoping for that little jolt of happiness, that that, that dopamine rush that we would have gotten when, when Twitter dropped the news that he was coming back. But, you know, as, as great as that opening day atmosphere would have been if Johnny Cueto was on the mound, it was never really likely. Yeah, but I, I don't agree with any of that. But if you look at it realistically, like for an actual big league organization, that dollar that dollar figure is not – expensive in the year of our lord 2023 it's oh, really not it, i'm not claiming it is i'm just saying it wasn't going to happen with with the current uh you know plan that mm. ownership has set for all right yeah they gotta uh, what, what do they have to do with the resources to their uh pay i can't remember that lame crawl quote matt wilkes were you uh, as as uh, you know excited is not the right word but we were just kind of desperately clinging to the hope that cueto would return how, how, how do you feel about that yeah, I was I was in the same camp as as, as you guys. Um, you know, Cueto's probably probably the best pitcher I've I've seen in a Reds uniform. You know, Luis Castillo certainly has a, a claim to that as well. But um, how soon we forget Luis Alberto Bonilla? Gosh, my bad. How soon we forget? Sorry, Luis Alberto. My, <laughs> my sincerest apologies. Um, but it, you know, it made some sense on on paper too uh, to bring Cueto in this. Rotation is going to be really young. Um, they're going to need conceivably someone to eat up some innings. Um, I don't know if those young guys will still be on an innings limit this year. I'd, I'd imagine maybe Hunter Green will, um, and probably Lodolo too. They barely got over 100 innings last year. But, um, you know, beyond that, just to have a veteran presence to kind of, you know, show the young guys the ropes, I think I think that's important um, that, that – that they have that presence in the, in the clubhouse and in the rotation is kind of a stabilizing established figure. Um, but you know, it didn't work out. Um, so they can still sign, I don't know, like Chris Archer or something, Chase Anderson. There we, there we go. For the reunion. Exciting times. The return of the King. Uh, you said something that was, you know, the real reason I wanted Cueto back was because I want the rest to sign all my favorite guys back. If they're going to be bad, they need to at least be, you know, interesting. So, you know, give me an outfield of Adam Dunn, Eric Davis, and I don't know, Johnny Gomes. I don't care. So, you know, I don't care if they can play. The Reds aren't going to have any outfitters that can play anyway. So give me some guys that I like. I like to see a beerling softball outfit out there. So that's why that's the biggest reason I want Cueto there. But you said the other part, which is that they got an exceptionally young top of the rotation and, 
they really do need some sort of a veteran uh, who's been through the wars. And and Cueto's a perfect guy. He, he's an ace, but he's also figured out a way to, uh, after he wasn't an ace anymore, figured out a way to stick around and uh, be successful. And, you know, just he he, he changed his, his motion. He changed his delivery. He, uh, I don't know, you know, he's also got a great Instagram account. He could help them, help Hunter Green with his Instagram account. So, um, oh, well, I how dare you neglect to mention veteran innings eater and staff ace Luis Sessa? Hmm. Yes. Uh, man. I just well, don't understand. We're going to have a fun season, I swear. I promise. Somehow <laughs> we're going to do it. I don't understand how someone chose Miami over Cincinnati, though. That just in Forget about the baseball. How does that make sense? I don't know. It's like the, uh, the old uh, saying that uh, LeBron James is the like only person the ever took down there. John – yeah, go ahead. go ahead. I don't like the voodoo magic that I'm seeing down in Miami with Skip Shoemaker as the coach. John Jay's on the staff. They're, they're compiling all these former Cardinals. They're taking Johnny Cueto. There's a whole anti-Reds thing happening down there that I think the Cardinals are behind. And I'm not here for it. Yeah, always easy to blame the Cardinals. But uh, as I was uh, going to say a moment ago, uh, I don't know why you picked – Miami over uh, Cincinnati, but Le- the old joke goes, LeBron James, the only person ever to move from Miami to Cleveland. In the history of the world, no one had ever moved from Miami to Cleveland before. And so LeBron James plays basketball. It's a different sport. I'm sorry. Um, other other transactions. Now, I, I want to gauge on a scale of 1 to 10, Matt. I want to gauge your excitement over these transactions, okay? First, right-handed pitcher Tehran Guerrero. Signed a minor league contract with an invitation to spring training with the Reds. He last pitched in the big leagues in 2019 with the Miami Marlins and last year in Japan. The year before last year. 10 out of 10 excitement for Tehran Guerrero. <laughs> wow. Sign yeah, up for the morning cool. spin. It's probably closer to a one. Let's be real. All uh, right. He throws hard, you know, if he can find the plate. So you got that. He does. In 2018, he topped out at 104.7 miles an hour. That's fast. Yeah, I can confirm that is fast. He's been plagued by those control issues kind of his entire career, but they seem to have disappeared in Japan. So if he's got that under control, he could actually be a value, valuable bullpen piece, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, 32 years old, and you're right. And he you know, struck out 63, only walked 20. And gave up just two home runs in uh, 49 appearances in uh, in Japan. But, you know, uh, he did have a 6.63 ERA in 2021 in the White Sox AAA uh, organization. I, didn't, so. I did not take the wife out to Applebee's to celebrate this signing. <laughs> there we You were ready to pull the trigger on a Cueto signing, though. <laughs> All right, uh, scale of 1 to 10. Where are we on? The Reds signing outfielder Henry Ramos to a minor league deal with an invitation to big league spring training. Ramos, of course, did not play in Japan last year. He played in Korea. And uh, before that, you know, he was with the, uh, I think he was with the Diamondbacks there for uh, for a while. He's 31 years old this year. So uh, the Reds leading the world in sign, signing players uh, with uh, minor, to minor league deals with an invitation to spring training. 98% of the Reds spring training are guys on minor league deals this year. I think that's an actual fact. One to ten, are we also a ten on uh, on old Henry? Gotta be. Gotta be. <laughs> is there any way that he? I mean, is there anything to say about this le- legitimately that uh, you know is nothing but just 
yay, organizational filler. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's a guy who could maybe maybe make the club out of spring training, and then he's DFA'd by by June. Um, I don't know, just depth. Listen, I, I I said for my New Year's resolution that I'm bringing the optimism this year. I think we're going to see a whole lot of Henry Ramos, not to be confused with Harold Ramos, because oh. for a minute there, I thought we signed the legendary Ghostbusters actor, Harold Ramos. But, um, you know, he plays all his outfield positions, and he absolutely raked at AAA uh, in his career. He, he, he's crushed the ball. He's probably one of those 4A players, but the Reds need outfielders. He can play every single position in the outfield and you know last year before his toe injury in south korea which happens to be one of my two favorite koreas number one of my two favorite koreas actually <laughs> all right but i think based on this roster construction we're going to get a uh, a solid dose of henry henry ramos and i don't know i think it's interesting that while other teams are scouring the international market for the next shohei otani or kodai singa we're, we're scou- scouring the international market for um, Harold Ramis and Tehran Guerrero. <laughs> All right, that's 461 consecutive episodes where someone mentioned legendary <laughs> Ghostbuster Egon Spengler. 461 consecutive episodes of the world's most mildly not dangerous podcast. Um, so there you go. I, you know, again, these we we like to laugh about these, but there's you know these are guys that are going to come in and compete for a spot. And you know, uh, Ramos, you know, more more than maybe he's uh, the guy that comes up when they deal Will Myers away uh, at the trade deadline. I don't know. You know, he's a uh, he's a guy, but you have to have at least twenty six of those guys, or maybe even more. All right. So uh, how about we do the topic of the week? You guys interested in the topic of the week? Yeah, Matt, Matt actually refused to come on until we came up with the topic of the week. He's like, you got to give me something to talk about. I'm not coming on to your little shenanigans where you just riff on it for a long time. I need some specifics about what to, that conversation never happened. I'm telling lies about Matt Wilkes. Um, I'm vamping here because, you know, um, I really am embarrassed by the list that I put together here. But we have to do it. So our topic of the week this week, as you know, if you saw the uh, the title of the show, Power ranking the 2023 Reds. Power ranking 2023 Reds players specifically. Now, what we did here is each of us put together our list of the top 10 Reds on the 2023 roster. Now, we didn't have any specifics on how we were going to power rank them. The way I looked at it, and maybe you all looked at it differently, but I just, who, which play, who do I think is going to be the most valuable player on the Reds this year? And I put them number one and then just went the 10 most valuable players. Is that how you guys looked at it? No. <laughs> Nate did the 10 <laughs> handsome, handsome, most handsome players. That's exactly right. It was only Tyler Stevenson all the way. <laughs> I actually I got a little too into this. I went through and I looked up um, way to runs created plus, ERA plus, uh, fan graphs, and baseball reference war, as well as the zip, Zips project, projections and ranked everybody based on how they did and their projections. And then I did a separate column or just how I wanted this season to go. And that column got twice the amount of points. <laughs> okay, all right. There you go. <laughs> I like I like it. So I got, I got weird with it. You're dropping some analytics on here. We I, I wanted to stay away from that because Matt's going to make us look bad if we start talking analytics. He's, he's the analytics guy. So uh, any comments before we get into this uh, list, Matt? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think my, my approach was, was pretty similar. Uh, I definitely had, you know, the names off the top of my head. Um, you know, and where I thought they might end up. Uh, 
I always like to have the data to kind of back me up too. So I looked at the, the steamer projections, uh, you know, last year's stats, the zips projections, um, you know, they're not, they're not gospel by any means, but they're, they're a good, uh, good way to kind of get a, an idea of how a player might perform how they performed in the past, you know, et cetera. So I kind of based it, based it around that. Um, and there was a little, little hopefulness in some of my rankings too. So was it okay? Is it okay that when asked to defend my choices, I just send it to Matt for the data? <laughs> yeah, tell me, tell me am I, how wrong am I? Um, so here's why we're going to do it, Matt. I'm going to ask you to name your number 10 uh, on your list, and we'll just go from 10 to 1. And your number 10, I will note, so we'll ask Nate to talk about him next. Your number 10 actually ended up on Nate's list as well. So who do you have at number 10? Yeah, so I'm going to go with a player we actually have not seen yet in, in a Reds uniform, and that is Christian Encarnacion Strand. Uh, that's that's a mouthful. Uh, with honorable mention of Jake Fraley, I went back and forth between those two for this spot, but I went with Strand. Um, I think he's done nothing but rake in the minor leagues. Um, he hits for power. He's hit for average. Um, and I think most importantly, the Reds kind of have a spot for him. I think he, he's played third base coming up. Pretty reasonable expectations. He'll shift to first base eventually um, with, with Joey Votto getting older. Um, you know, coming off a, a pretty major surgery, um, you know, they, they may need Encarnacion Strand sooner than later. Uh, he'll start in AAA, I'm sure. But um, the, the, the kid is just raked everywhere he's gone. He's got some concerns with, with swing and miss, um, you know, plate discipline. Um, tends to get a little over aggressive, but he's produced everywhere he's gone. So uh, even if he comes up in DHs for half the year, I think, I think he'll hit at, at the big league level. Nate, you had him at number eight on your list. I did, and I broke. I was going to have a rule where I didn't include anyone that hadn't been on the roster yet on my list, but I broke it for Christian Encarnacion Strand. I'm excited about this guy. Just like Matt was saying, the dude hits baseballs. We don't have a single player on the current you know iteration of the Reds roster that hits baseballs the way he does, and I've kind of been harping on that a lot lately. You need those guys that are just going to wake up, crawl out of bed, and put a barrel on the ball. He's also a thick boy, and, and you know, you know, I like my hefty boys. Like he's, he's, he's got some beef to him. That. I like that about him. We know that. And I think that um, yeah, we all get excited about the Ellie De La Cruzes and the Noel Vimartes, but you gotta have these guys who can just show up, hit thirty plus home runs in his sleep, and you don't have to worry about it. Just plug him in and go. I am huge on Christian Encarnacion Strand. Yeah, you know, uh, I did not have him on my list, but I thought about it. Uh, but, but you didn't mention the thing I'm most excited about, which is to see how that name's going to be on the back of his jersey, how they're going to, yeah. you know, if you go back and look look up some old, uh, like, 1981 Reds clips of Dave Concepcion and the way they had his name uh, on the back. This is going to be more more letters, so it's going to be good. So, all right, so um, you also mentioned Jake Fraley, who did not end up on any of our lists, but he was actually probably number 11 on mine. I was I considered Jake Fraley. Uh, but uh, so sorry, Jake, you didn't make our list. Or sorry, Mrs. Fraley, I know you listen every week. Nate, who's your number 10? Your number 10 did not end up on anyone else's lists, but it's another one that I'm sure that both of us uh, considered heavily, if only because we uh, are dreaming a little bit. Yeah, once I decided to include minor leaguers or guys that hadn't played for the, the, the big league team yet, I had to add Ellie De La Cruz. And I'll be honest with you, I had to sacrifice Jake Fraley to get him on this spot. Because if we're power ranking, I didn't want to just go 
likelihood of an impact throughout the season. I wanted somebody that I'm actually excited about. And apologies, Mr. and Mrs. Fraley. I'm not excited about you. I hope you do well. I hope you make multiple all-star teams. But I, I'm excited about Ellie De La Cruz. This is a once-in-a-generation prospect. I don't think I've ever been this hyped about a guy that the Reds have had coming up. I mean, Jay Bruce comes to mind. We got, we always got pumped up for Nick Senzel, but like this guy's different. He seems special, and I think he has a legitimate shot to break with the big league club sometime um, after the All Star break. Well, that was part of the reason why I didn't. I wasn't sure when he'd get up here. Although it makes a lot of sense for him when the Reds are struggling in the dog days of uh, of August, or even even before that, for attendance. You can, you know, put up some billboards and bring up uh, Ellie De La Cruz. Did you consider, Matt, did you consider Ellie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. Uh, I think he'll be up at some point this year. Um, and I, I mean, he's going to be must-watch television. Um, but but like you, I wasn't quite sure when he'd be here. Um, there's not really that spot for him right, right now. Um, granted, he could easily bump Jose Barrero and Kevin Newman out of, out of shortstop. Uh, at some Whoa. point, but um, of the breaks. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's he's got a couple things to work on in, in the minors too. But like like in Parnassium Strand, he's done nothing but hit. Um, also has kind of those the swing and miss concerns that you want to mm-hmm. see get a little bit better. But um, yeah, I mean, if he's up this year uh, for any significant time, you, you could easily throw him throw him in, in at number ten slot or, or higher on my list. Yeah, no, he did take a step forward, but I'm uh, in terms of the plate discipline. But I am eager to see how he does in AAA and whether those gains are real or uh, they seem to be. But again, stepping up in com- com- competition, it's going to be um, interesting. My number ten is someone that uh, inexplicably neither of you uh, had on your list, and I'm going to need you all to defend the fact that you don't have left-handed pitcher Andrew Abbott on your list. He's number ten on mine. Andrew Abbott, of course, uh, he was in. Uh, Finished last season in double-A. Dude is amazing. Fastball, only up to about 95, but uh, particularly effective getting swings and misses. Great lefty uh, deceptive delivery. Uh, his curve is unbelievable. What you see this guy's curve? And um, I haven't yet mentioned the most exciting thing about Andrew Abbott. Here it comes. Andrew Abbott from the University of Virginia. Got to be number 10. How could you all leave Andrew Abbott off? I'm going to have to ask you to defend yourselves here. I think we have a lot easier time defending our choices than you do yours. All right, Nate, you're out. Sorry, you're done. Matt, what about you? Um, I don't want to get kicked off, so I, I'm I'm going to uh, take back my my number ten, and we'll put Andrew Abbott in there. Very good. Your apology is accepted, um, uh, Nate. All right, I'm get, that's that's you're on probation, Nate. You're hey, on double second probation. He might make the top 10 next season. Yeah. No, I don't really think that uh, – hey, we may see him this year. I mean, he, you know, he should start in AAA, I would think. Uh, but he's uh, – again, if you're talking about guys that haven't been above AA yet, he's not ahead of Ellie De La Cruz on your your depth chart. But I don't know. I, I got my shtick I've got to keep doing here. Yeah, people expect this nonsense. All right, let's go to number nine on the list. Now, number nine is a guy that I actually considered – Really heavily uh, on your list, Matt. But I did I couldn't I couldn't pull the trigger, and he didn't end up on either of uh, Nate or I's list. Tell me who your number nine is. Uh, number nine is a guy we haven't seen in a while, but he'll be back this year, and that is T.J. Antone. Um, I think there, there are certainly questions about the health coming off of Tommy John surgery, but when he's when he's been healthy, 
he's produced. Uh, he's going to give the Reds another back into the, the bullpen arm that they desperately need on, on this on this team um, to go along with Alexis Diaz and, and Lucas Sims way back in the mix too. Um, but if you if you forgot, you know, the last time we saw him pitch, he, he's throwing throwing 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, got a nasty two nasty breaking balls. Um, you know, borderline unhittable when he can throw strikes. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful he'll come back healthy and and kind of take his rightful spot and then back of the bullpen again. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why we talk about the Reds aren't going to lose 100 games again. And to me, one of the reasons, well, you know, you get TJ and Tony and Lucas Sims back, and okay, are they going to be as good as they were at their best? Maybe not, but still, that, that makes your bullpen uh, should, if they're healthy, a big F with this team, but that should make the – the bullpen's uh, significantly better. Nate, you're. Uh, I, we're going to uh, let you have your n- number nine, but he also. This is the first player that appears on all three of our lists, so we'll let you go ahead and uh, and talk about your number nine pick. You know, I, I don't. I'm not going to wax poetic about this guy, but I went with Spencer Steer. Um, we're going to get a heavy dose of Spencer Steer this year. He's going to get a chance, uh, probably from opening day on, to win a spot. Um, I think they'll slot him in at third base, but he can play a little bit of first, a little bit of second. And I don't know, he's he's just one of those guys that I think sort of tops out as bottom half of the order, but guy that every roster is going to have. You know, good plate discipline, not going to hit for a ton of power, probably not going to hit for a super high average, but you don't worry about him. The Reds have had those those holes in the bottom of the lineup for so long where you're just like, you, you don't get excited when Tucker Barnhart comes up to bat. And this isn't one of those guys. As Spencer Steer is your seventh or eighth hitter. I think you're doing okay. Uh, that's yeah. I- no, my thought with Spencer Steer. First of all, look, he's on a on a on a good team. He's not going to be able to make the top ten on all three of our lists. But he's a player that can be valuable on a, even a good team. You know, I mean, he's a he's a legit. You know, not a not a star necessarily, but he's a he's a legit player. Matt, you had him at number seven on your list. What do you think about Spencer Steer? Yeah, yeah, I think. Chad or Nate hit it on the on the on the on the nose. Um, he just kind of does a little bit of everything well. He's not elite in any in any area, but he'll he'll, he'll hit 250. He'll get on base. Um, he'll draw his walks and a home run here and there. Um, you know, obviously we want want to see that at the big league level, and he'll get his chance this year. I would expect he'll probably be the starting third baseman on opening day onward. Um, and you know, he he's got a chance to prove it. He's got. Uh, Noel V. Marte, kind of it, assuming he shifts to third base, like we all expect, he's going to be hot on his heels. So, uh, you know, Steer kind of has this year into next year to kind of establish that spot. And I, I, I'm hopeful he'll he'll come out and do that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's his shot. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I actually had uh, Spencer Steer number six on my list, which is higher than than anyone. Um, and and I, I kind of lied about just saying I didn't really look at. Him. I, I, just, I got mesmerized by his zips projections. His, his zips projections look pretty good. I mean, I think he's going to hit the ball. And so, um, I don't know, I kind of got mesmerized a little bit. Good, but It's a good baseball name. It's a great baseball name. Great baseball debut last year. What a debut that guy had. That was one of the fun moments. The, that was the fun moment of the uh, season, the, the one fun moment. All right, so um, my number nine was just mentioned, um, but it was not on anyone else's list. And this was me dreaming a little bit, I think. But it's Noel V. Marte. Noel V. Marte, obviously, uh, you know, shortstop, but where's he going to end up? Probably third. Um, I don't know. The guy is just, he's, what, let's see, 21 years old. He's, and of course, he came over from the, uh, in the uh, deal with the Mariners, but 
the guy's just a legit prospect, and I'm expecting him to be up before Elliot de la Cruz. And so uh, and maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. I mean, you know, I think he's a little older, but not much. I think they're close to the same age. But uh, there's just something about that guy. He he looks the part to me. And I, for in my mind, I felt like he was going to get a, a, a chance before Elliot de la Cruz. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and maybe that's not true. I don't know. But because uh, he doesn't have to beat out uh, Kevin Newman for short, um, like Ellie would have to. So. Uh, did you all, either of you all consider Noelvi or did you just stick on the Ellie De La Cruz stream? So I, I didn't consider him initially, but we have a viewer mail question that we'll get to here in a little bit that made me do a, a, a minor dive into Noelvi. And I started getting really, really excited. I think if I could go back, I would have him on my top 10. So I don't want to, I don't want to spoil my answer to this viewer mail question, but yeah, I think that um, we'll see some Noelvi this year and he might be the truth. I'm on record saying maybe we should trade him and then fill in some of the other gaps in the roster. But the more I dive into his stats, the less I feel that way. Trade them all. I say trade them all. <laughs> Matt, uh, quickly, uh, uh, Marte, what do you, any quick thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited about him as well. Um, only reason I didn't put him on the list is I don't believe he's played above high A yet. Um, so I imagine he's going to start double A. You know, he could very well hit his way to Cincinnati, but – uh, that's really the only reason I, I didn't uh, give him really strong consideration. Uh, you know, guys like Taylor Cruz and Encarnacion and Strand have at least seen some time in double A. So that was my rationale. All right, Matt, your number eight, also on Nate's list, was Graham Ashcraft. Tell me what you think about Graham Ashcraft. Yeah, I think, you know, last year he he surprised me. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I saw those the low strikeout numbers. Um, and I'm like, uh, I, don't, I don't know about it, but he, he throws hard. Um, he limits hard contact. You look at his, you know, if we want to go into analytics a little bit, look at his, his average exit velocities he gives up. Um, you know, he's in the, he's in the upper echelon of starters and, you know, he's got to prove that over a, a longer period, but, um, you can, you can live with the lack of strikeouts if you're getting a ton of ground balls like he does and you're, you're not allowing hard contact. So I, I like him quite a bit as kind of a back in the rotation. Um, kind of arm and um, in this particular rotation, he's going to be the number three guy. So um, I, I like what I saw last year. Hope, hope that strikeouts can come up a little bit, but uh, he's got that nice baseline of, of throwing a hundred miles an hour with ridiculous sink. Um, and that helps. Nate, do you have him at number five on your list? You're a long time, as listeners will know, a long time admirer of hefty boy, Graham Ashcraft. It is egregious that you left him off your list. I did it only it's, only to make you mad. That's actually a true it's, story. It's, it's kind of egregious that Matt only has him at number eight. I wanted to rank him higher than five, which is where I put him. But I had to, you know, have a duty to the fans. Um, what other team gets to say that they have a sweaty behemoth of a man that rocks smelling salts before he goes and takes the mound every half in? We have that in Cincinnati. You guys are sad Kyle Farmer's gone. Embrace the Ashcraft era. This is your guy. Oh, embrace the Ashcraft era. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Matt touched on something that, that uh, has been my thinking. I've gone into it uh, on the show many times before, so I won't again. But just uh, he really surprised me. I thought that he was uh, going to be a good, maybe a potentially a good back of the rota- or back of the bullpen guy. And the more I got to watch him and the more I saw his numbers and how he was, uh, you know, the contact uh, against him. And I was like, wait a minute, this guy's actually – this guy's actually good. So, uh, no, I, I, he would have been on my top 10 list, but I had to eliminate someone for uh, the University of Virginia's own Andrew Abbott and also to make uh, Nate mad. So, yay for me. 
Nate, your number eight was uh, Encarnacion Strand, so we'll go to my number eight. I had a guy that I cannot believe I'm the only put person that put this in the, in their uh, power ranking it, it within the top ten. My number eight was Alexis Diaz. Alexis Diaz, I mean, I don't know what I need to say. The guy was amazing last year. I'm going to make you all defend not putting him on your list. Matt? Yeah, my my defense comes down to the walks with, with Diaz. Um, he walked a lot of guys last year, and I'm a little nervous about that moving forward. But, you know, the hope is he can, he can rein that in a little bit because he's pretty much unhittable if he throws the ball over the plate. So um, I could definitely look pretty dumb by the end of the year by not putting him in my top ten. I, I acknowledge that. But uh, someone had someone had to be left out. <laughs> Take Get your facts out of here, okay? He's electric. I like watching him. That should count more than whether he can throw three strikes or four balls. Nate, uh, you, are you willing to defend yourself, or are you just going to admit that you're wrong? Sounds like Matt is uh, claiming that Alexis Diaz has some uh, some strong stormy weathers vibes. Oh gosh! I don't think never, that's what he said at all. <laughs> never, you're never comfortable when he takes them out. No, uh, Diaz is electric. I'm I'm really excited about what he can do. Hopefully, like Matt says, he stays out of that trouble. But I just had a strict no reliever rule for my top ten. But you picked Graham Ashcraft. I said no relievers, not no <laughs> gods. <laughs> All right, so um, let's try to run through this now. Matt, your number seven we've already talked about. It's uh, was Spencer Steer. Nate, your number seven we have not mentioned yet, and he ended up on all three of our lists. So I'll let you go ahead and uh, tell us who your number seven was. Yeah, no need to go into uh, go too deep on this, but I, I went with Will Myers. He's just a pretty good baseball player. It, you know, his 108 OPS plus would have been third on the team last year. Outside of Brandon Terry, like he, he's going to be pretty good, and we're going to. He's going to be our seventh favorite red. I'm excited for him to be my seventh favorite red. <laughs> you had him at number six, Matt. Yeah, I mean, he's just – he's one of the few proven hitters on the team. He's not flashy, not super exciting, but, um, you know, he's going to be, I think, at least a league average hitter, hopefully a little bit better than that, you know, in a hitter-friendly ballpark, um, especially coming from one of the least hitter-friendly ballparks in, in San Diego. So you would hope his, his output will – will take up a little bit and he'll he'll stay healthier this year. But yeah, I mean he's just a solid player, not not super exciting, but um he just made sense right smack dab in the middle of the list. Yeah. Number two on my list. Will Myers number two on my list because again, this is me being optimistic. I I, I think he's gonna crush the ball and so that the Reds can get a haul for him at the uh at the trade deadline. So I'm believing in you, Will Myers. Go and make it happen. And and Nick Crawl. And and Nick Crawl. Nate, your number seven. Let's see, your, your number seven was Will Myers. So let's go to my number seven. My number seven ended up on everyone's list, uh, but I had him uh, the lowest. And maybe that's, uh, I keep saying that I think that Jonathan India has every indication of being way better than he was last year. And there were some reasons why his numbers at the end of the year didn't look great. Um, obviously, the injuries, but um, I have it at number seven on my list. And maybe that's just showing a little bit of, Show me, you know, I'm going to be a little bit skeptical because, you know, I didn't I, I didn't believe in Jonathan India before the rookie season. Um, and I was I was wrong, as we as we detailed here. But um, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of show me Nate, you had him at uh, at number six. Pretty much same reasoning you had. Um, I, I, I am excited to be wrong about where I ranked him. Um, I think he would have been top three for me last year. And he. Just showed a lot of troublesome habits, it seemed, and 
I don't know. I'm excited for him to get back to what made him the rookie of the year. We'll we'll see if that happens. Yeah, I think it's a good uh, argument that it was, most of that was injury related. Uh, Matt, is that why you had him up at number four on your list? Yeah, I think a lot of what we saw last year was just him playing through a, a hamstring injury that just kept bugging him all year. Um, you know, you could you could see it just when he ran; he wasn't hundred percent really most of the year. Um, I don't think he's a great defender, um, even without you know the, the hamstring injury. But I think he'll hit um, better than he did last year. At, at the very least, he's going to draw more walks than he did last year. I think that that was uh, where I paused a little bit ranking him where I did is we saw that dip and. Uh, you know, his walk rate, but um, I think, I think he'll bounce back. Maybe, maybe even not the rookie of the year levels, but if he's a fraction of that, he's probably still one of the better hitters on the team. Yeah. yeah. If he approaches that. Um, go, Nate, did you, you want something you want to add there? I was just going to agree with that. If he gets, if he settles in just below those rookie of the year numbers and he does that for, for the rest of his time in a Reds uniform, I think we'll all be plenty happy. I'm also a little concerned about, you know, uh, shift rules are not going to be kind to Jonathan India uh, as a defender, yeah, second base. Um, truthfully, he might he, he, they might consider want to consider him moving him back to third base uh, at some point. I don't know, but the, they got other guys. But it's really kind of I have to admit, just on his glorious hair alone, we all should have probably had him in the top five. I mean, it's that's that's inner circle Hall of Fame I, hair. I do like the fact that with him and TJ Antone, the Reds roster is at risk of having two guys with cornrows at any moment. <laughs> it's true. It's true. TJ was, was rocking cornrows at Ryan Hendricks's wedding last week. And I, it was amazing. Amazing. All right. Up to exactly up to number six. Now we've already done everybody's number six has already been mentioned. Mine was Spencer Steer. Uh, Nate's was Jonathan India. Um, Matt's was Will Myers. Uh, we're going to skip number five on your list, Matt, because uh, we're going to talk about him a little bit later. So let's go to, uh, we've already got number five on Nate's list, which is Graham Ashcraft. So let's go to number five on my list, Nick Lodolo. I actually had Nick Lodolo um, significantly higher in my first pass through on this list and uh, changed my mind. And, and maybe I'm wrong because, Nate, you had him number three, and, and Matt, you had Nick Lodolo all the way at number two. So tell me why I'm wrong to have Nick Lodolo so low at number five on my list. Yeah, I mean, some of, this, some of this is, you know, hopefulness on my part that he'll continue to ascend and take that next step. But, man, the way he pitched in the second half of last year was, was really encouraging. Um, doesn't walk anybody, strikes guys out. Um, his curveball is very, very unique. It looks like a slider. Um, he calls it a curveball, whatever it is. It's hard to hit. Um, you know, I just liked everything I saw from him in the second half of last year once he kind of came back from that back injury. So, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people, um, you know, the, the prospect evaluators out there kind of felt maybe like, Number two, number three was his ceiling. I mean, I, I think number one is his ceiling after what I saw last year. So, agreed. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm excited to see what he does in year two. Nate, yeah. One thing I'll add to that, and this is in honor of Matt being here. I'm gonna throw some analytics and some data at you. Um, Nicodolo's real good. <laughs> <laughs> if you start looking at all the projections and and. Uh, just you know, wins above replacement, whatnot. Like he, he he should be top three. I mean, every sort of projections model in the league now thinks he's going to be the best red next year, if not one of the you know two or three best reds. And I don't think that's unreasonable at all. Uh, the guy's ceiling is through the roof, and like you guys couldn't be more excited to see what he does this year. If he stays healthy, then you've got 
ace ace potential. No question about it. Um, all right, so that's, that was number five on my list. We'll go to number four on our list now. We're actually going to skip, or Matt's was already, uh, we've already talked about him, Jonathan India. Nate, we're going to um, skip your number four because he's uh, number one on someone else's list. Number four on my list. We're actually going to skip as well because he's number one on another list. So um, let's see who's left here. Now, uh, is there anyone in our – I think we just have uh, – it's time to just talk about – we each have someone different at uh, at number one on our list, and they're, but they're each in the top three on our other list. So um, we'll go go to you, Matt. Who is your number one in our your Reds power rankings for this year? Yeah, number one was none other than Kevin Newman. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can't say I was pretty fast. Uh, it's Hunter Green. Um, you know, we're, we're on a similar line as Nick Lodolo. Um, just unbelievable in the last couple months of the season. Um, he did miss some time in there, but I mean, he was in September unhittable. Um, you saw those home run problems that, that cropped up early in the year start to get better. Um, he added some, some horizontal movement to his fastball. You know, that was kind of the, the rub against him was his fastball was, was flat. Um, and I'm actually writing a piece uh, on him now um, that I'm kind of dive into that further. So shameless, uh, shameless plug there, but uh, no shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just got better and better as the year went on. I mean, he, uh, his slider is basically unhittable. You want to see him throw the change up a little bit more, but um, yeah. And the ACE potential is, is absolutely there. Yeah. I had him at number yeah. three. Nate, you, you had him at number two. Yeah. I think, um, you know, Hunter Green is really my answer to why this team won't lose as many games as they did last year. He had a rough first half of the season. And we're not going to see that again. Uh, the, the strides he made in the latter part of the year made him one of the best hitters in the entire league. Can he keep it up? Probably not to that level. You know, that's, that's unsustainable for somebody at this point in his career. But we talked just talked about Nicoladolo's ceiling. Hunter Green's ceiling is higher. He might have a lower floor, but he has a higher ceiling. And there is a chance that we are watching a once in a generation talent take the hill in a Reds uniform in Hunter Green. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your, Nate, your number one was number three on Matt's list and number four on mine. Tell us who your number one was. I thought this was a beauty contest when we started this exercise. It is. Tell me about it, stud. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Um, <laughs> it is my handsome king, Tyler Stevenson. And I don't know how much time you want to spend on this because I could go all day. I think outside of Joey Votto, he's my favorite red. I'm sorry, Graham. I know we'll, we can work through this. We have a deep enough fun. But I think the guy we're looking at an all-star caliber year from Tyler Stevenson this year, if he stays healthy, we're the guy's just going to hit the cover off the ball. He's got that uh, the hit tool that plays in this no no shift era, and he's just getting better behind the plate. I think that Cincinnati loves its catchers, and this story is going to continue because I think he's going to be at the end of this year. We're all going to look back, and the league will recognize that Tyler Stevenson is one of the two or three best catchers in the entire league. Yeah, we wax poetic about Tyler Stevenson every week here, so we don't need to really do much more of a deep dive in it. Anything quickly you want to say about Tyler Stevenson, Matt, other than that he's just amazing? Yeah, I mean, a, a catcher that can hit is extremely valuable. So uh, Tyler Stevenson can hit, know that. Um, just needs to stay healthy. 
That's it. That's all. That's all it is. All right. So the the last one that we've not mentioned, uh, number one on my list, which means it's correct, uh, was number five on Matt's list and number four on Nate's. And again, this uh, this is me being aspirational a little bit here and what I want to happen more than what I maybe necessarily am predicting. But I'm going Joe Joseph Daniel Vado. I just he's still Joey Votto to me, and he's going to be Joey Votto forever. And I don't care if he's dressed like you know a goofball and going to chess tournaments and you know uh, growing this big old long beard. Well, he shaved uh, the beard, but he did finally win a game at a chess tournament recently. He's just the goat for me, and, and because I want him to kind of go out in a blaze of glory, I'm I'm putting him at number one. Uh, tell me how much you hate uh, Joey Votto, so that you, why why you didn't put him at number one, Matt? Is it because you hate him? Uh, it it pained me to not put him number one. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Uh, yeah, and and but I couldn't I couldn't drop him further than five because he's Joey Votto. Um, I mean, in just 2021. I mean, he would. It kind of felt like it, it was the end. Um, and then he comes out and hits what 37 home runs. Um, I went to a, a couple games in, at Wrigley Field that year. I think he homered every time I went, um, which was at least three games. So, I mean. The, I'm never going to count him out. Nate. Yeah, that's exactly right. The only reason I told you how I did my little, my, my model here. And the reason I doubled up points for just how I want this to go is because when I just looked at projections and last year's performance, Joey Votto was way too low on my list. So I doubled up on the rankings where I wanted him because he was number one on that list. If we're just putting this out, I want it to go Joey Votto number one on my list and in my heart, my friend. The truth is, you all have him number four, number five, and that's actually probably aggressive as well in some ways. Uh, number one is just me dreaming, but uh, uh, you know we old guys have to rage against the machine sometimes, and so go Joey, let's go out and, and uh, finish this thing out well. All right, uh, so let's answer some viewer mail questions. Y'all want to do that? Yeah, we can do a few. All right, that's uh, we're going to probably do a uh, we're going to try to power through these uh, quick hitters as much as we can um, because you all keep talking too much. First question, all of these questions obviously come from our friends at uh, our Patreon family, the patreon.com slash Riverfront That's patreon.com slash Riverfront where you too can support the world's most dangerous podcast. First comes with Seth Shaner. Keeping up with uh, last week's squinting theme, what's the absolute ceiling for this team this year? And how many got young guys do we need to show out to give us hope as a strategy for next year? My answer was, we just went through our top tens and named a bunch of guys. And every single one of those players we mentioned are uh, there's there's something to be interested in. There's something intriguing about you. If you're looking for reasons to watch the Reds this year, those are the guys. Now, what if everything went just like everything went wrong last year? What if everything went right for the Reds next year? Uh, yeah, you know, 75 wins <laughs> is, that, is that even possible? What do you all think? I went absolute ceiling, and we're talking rosiest possible scenario that plays out. Um, they're in the hunt for a final wild card spot, whether they get oh or not, gosh. I don't know. But so, so, so much would have to go right. And we're talking about all those young arms making a leap. Tyler Stevenson does what I just laid out that he might do. Jonathan India has to put up rookie of the year numbers. And Votto's back. Jose Barrera, who didn't even mention, has to be the real deal. Like, I'm not saying this is even remotely likely. I'm just saying best possible scenario probably looking at maybe wild card wild card contention oh, i love love the optimism matt what do you think yeah that, that's kind of where i'm at with, with nate really? um but yeah everything would have to go right um 
everything you said, plus plus maybe Ella De La Cruz comes up in, in June and just lights the world on fire immediately. Um, will it happen? Probably not, but I think that's probably, no. probably the ceiling. No, what I see happen is uh, August 1st, the Reds sign a player from overseas um, named Aristides Aquino, and he goes on to hit 40 home runs the rest of the way and leads the Reds into the uh, loss in the wildcard game. Uh, Hooper Powell has the next question. Bowling and golf use a handicap system. What should the Reds' handicap be for each game in 2023? I can't say I know anything about the about bowling's handicap system, but uh, in golf, you know, you give you give another guy a couple strokes or something, a few strokes on uh, particular holes. So the Reds' uh, teams should spot the Reds' two runs every game. That's the Reds' handicap, plus two. Based on the numbers, they averaged about four runs a game last year, and they gave up just over five. So I think there's, if the goal of the handicap is to make everything equal, the Reds start out 1-0 every game. How would the Reds do if the National League spotted them a run a game? They'd be all right. They'd maybe wild card contingent. Yeah, I'd feel a little more comfortable with that that wild card ceiling. <laughs> right, absolutely. All right, Joey Gaditz's question. Uh, Joey Gaditz, obviously from Canada, says, uh, has someone ever asked a viewer mail question that was too extreme to discuss over the airways? Uh, well, the answer to that is no, until now. Rex Scott asks, as a follow-up to Joey's question, if Bob Castellini and Marge Schott coupled together one steamy night and produced a love child, could each of you provide a <laughs> physical description of their progeny? A physical no. description of their progeny. All, all I can say is, have you seen the movie Gremlins? That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Eesh, ooh, ooh. Man, I, I, I know you believe that the answer was no, and it wasn't Joe Farsing, but I know I worry about what he says Sorry, next week. Now after that, you want to you want to describe in detail what uh, Castellini Marchot's child would look like, Matt? I know you've been eager to do that for a long time, and and you're not allowed to do that at Reds Content Plus. Yeah, I I don't want to think about that any more than I already have for these last 30 seconds. So <laughs> put that in your morning spin newsletter, buddy, and you'll get subscriptions like crazy. All right. Uh, Rex and Joey, you're both banned from asking viewer mail questions forever. <laughs> Kyle Kapler, just got a couple more here. Kyle Kapler, what are your expectations for the following young Reds, younger Reds players slash prospects for 2023? I see these are guys who are in positional situations that are similar and who, who will more than likely be on the Reds roster sometime this season. Your list is Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India, Spencer Steer, Matt McClain, Noel V. Marte, and Ellie De La Cruz. Well, we actually just went through and talked about almost all of those. So if you, uh, good question, Kyle. And I think we've, I think we've answered on most of those. The only one I think we didn't talk about was Matt McClain. I'm, I'm sort of low man on Matt McClain. I, you know, I, I don't know if it's just because the Reds have so many guys in that position. And he doesn't he doesn't stand out in comparison to uh, to you know to Ellie De La Cruz and uh, and Noelvi Marte, but uh, I don't know. I'm just not that enthused. Um, Matt, do you have any thoughts about Matt McClain? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you with all the other uh, you know shortstop prospects. Um, if you throw Edwin Arroyo in there too, I mean McClain's probably mm -hmm. number four in there um, behind De La Cruz and, and Marte and Arroyo. Um, He's, he's, he, he hit he hit in college. He kind of seemed like a safe-ish pick, but um, you know, average kind of fell in the toilet last year. Hit for more power than he than he thought, but um, you know, early in the offseason when the Diamondbacks were talking about trading their outfielders and, and the Reds were rumored to to be dangling one of the shortstop prospects, McLean made the most sense um, to be the guy you would move there. So 
Uh, you know, there's been talk about moving him to center field um, eventually. Uh, the Reds will probably keep him in the infield for now. He did play there a little bit in college, but, um, you know, hopefully he has a bounce back year and we kind of change our tune on him. But it was a little bit of a disappointing first season for him last year. Yeah, I went back to look at it, and I'll let you come if you want, Nate, but I went back to look just to see if I was underrating him just because those other guys are so good. And I I, I still I just can't get too enthused about him. I mean, I know former number one pick and uh, played, uh, you know, at a, at a uh, in a decent baseball conference, but uh, uh, in college out there in the, the Pac-12. But uh, I don't know. I just I, I couldn't do it. Nate, any? Yeah, I don't have the excitement for him. I do think he we see him in the big league squad this year. I think he's going to walk enough to – kind of justify the roster spot, but he really needs to get that average up into the mid-upper twos even to be somebody that we're going to get particularly excited about. And until he does that, kind of the odd man out. Yep. All right, last question comes from our buddy Rich Thompson. Rich has a multiple-choice question for us here. What is more enjoyable, watching a complete game no-hitter? That's uh, choice number A, although A is not actually a number. B, watching a Grand Slam walk-off home run to win a game. C, watching either the Cardinals or Cubs lose a game by a complete game no-hitter or Grand Slam walk-off home run by an opposing team. Or D, enjoying a ribeye steak cooked to perfection paired with a uh, slice of chocolate cheesecake for dessert. All right, you have four choices, Nate. Which which is more enjoyable? I'm going to go with A, if we're talking about live viewership. If I'm at the game, I've never been to – you know, at a game where there was a, uh, a no-hitter or a perfect game or anything like that. I think that'd be pretty special to see. I've seen the rest of those things in some capacity. You, you've seen chocolate cheesecake? Where? The Cheesecake Factory. Where else? Nate lives at the Cheesecake Factory. He literally lives at the Cheesecake Factory. No. Uh, Matt, you got a choice on that one? Yeah, I hate to, uh, to just agree with, with Nate again, but... Um... I got to go A. Why? No hitters are. <laughs> I just don't want to pair with the same things you've been saying, you know. But uh, with a no hitter, you know, you're hanging on every pitch. Um, and, you know, you don't do that with every game. You know, sometimes it's just kind of background noise. But with, when a no hitter is going on every single pitch, um, you know, you're, you're hanging on it. So that, that would be my choice. Yeah. It's worth noting that if I've got the fiance sitting beside me on the couch, she couldn't give two craps about a no hitter but a Grand Slam walk-off would be pretty cool here. Well, I actually have been to a, a big league no-hitter in person. Um, and so, and I can tell you, it was pretty pretty exciting. It was, it was a, a random game between the Twins and the White Sox, but uh, in Chicago. Um, and, but uh, Francisco Liriano threw a no-hitter, and it was, it was I always say that that, that night, I, I tell you, the coldest I've ever been was May in Chicago. <laughs> It was May, and I was absolutely freezing to death. We were going up to the bathrooms that were uh, heated between innings just to try to warm up a little bit. Um, but that was fun. It was I, we couldn't leave because you know you wanted to see that uh, all the way to the very end. So I'm going to go with A as well. All right, that's a, that's about enough for tonight, I think. Nate, you have any final thoughts for us? No, that was a lot of fun, and uh, thank you, Matt, for joining us. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I got you guys to bounce these ridiculous topics off on. <laughs> Absolutely. Matt, any final thoughts for us? Uh, no, just uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, we got to do this on a more frequent cycle than every three years. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a fun time, and uh, I can't wait to do it again. 
I agree. Go, go, go check out Matt at uh, Reds Content Plus, please. That's what I was going to say. Tell us where to find you. Uh, Twitter, wherever, wherever you are. Whatever you want to say, tell us now. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at underscore Matt Wilkes. Um, haven't been super active this offseason, but, you know, once once baseball starts coming back, I'll I'll be tweeting probably every day. So go give me a follow there. Um, check out our website at redscontentplus.com. Um, you know, we've got kind of some some things in the works there in terms of revamping the look of the website. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and we'll be getting back into our regular newsletter cycle probably in spring training. So um, check out our, our Twitter feed um, for news on that. Like I said, we're still kind of in between our, our newsletter platforms. Um, but we will uh, keep you posted when we have a new one picked out. Absolutely. No, and I agree. I agree, Matt. It was great having you on again, and we do have to do this way more often. You're absolutely welcome anytime you want to come on the show. Uh, This is the Riverfront episode number 461. Thank you to everyone for listening and supporting uh, the show. Again, please remember to to subscribe to the show, either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. We're everywhere. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at Riverfront Cincy on all those platforms, at Riverfront Cincy. And once again, a huge thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. I say it every week and I mean it. This show would literally not be possible without the support of our, our family. And I'm telling you, you don't understand how much fun the, the hijinks are in our Slack channel until you until you join up. So just go to patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy or click the link in the show notes. This was fun, guys. Uh, look forward to doing it again. For Nate Dotson and the immortal Matt Wilkes. Also, for Jeff Van... Jeff? Josh, don't call me Jeff Van Meter. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.